0: Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by The Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. Additional information about The Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles for another edition of Tabernacle Today.
1: Well, good morning. Hope you had plenty of Thanksgiving turkey. And uh, let me give you a word of encouragement this morning about Thanksgiving day. Now, when you get back home today, you could put the batteries back in your scales. (laughs) I hope you had a blessed one and had a uh, good time with your friends and with your family. And uh, I love Thanksgiving, because to me, this is the open door to the holiday season. you know. And while I'm thinking about it, let me give you uh, a bit of advice, like I t- tell my people at Sharon Baptist. I said, one, we get into the holiday season. Do yourself a favor. Relax. Enjoy the season. Okay. Don't get so wrapped up with having to worry about going to Walmart or Target and having to get this toy and that toy. I got to get this. I got to get that. Relax. Okay. Don't get bent out of shape because I know at this, this time of the season, with all the stuff that is going on, you know, with the uh, embargoes and you know ships being off in the sea and people not able to get their toys, Don't worry about the small stuff. If you don't buy it, you still got the money in your pocket. Amen. (laughs) It is good to be, what I say, back home. And you say, Ray, why do you say that? Because it was here, April 8th, 73, I got saved. Right here at that second pew. Okay. Then I remember my call to the ministry came from right here. That second pew. And so coming back to the tabernacle is like coming back home. And I had a chance to meet a lot of older friends who I haven't seen in years. But uh, rest assured, uh, I've never forgot you. Okay, I have never forgot you. So as we go into the season of Christmas, remember, it's Christ, not happy holidays. And so when people come to you and they say, Happy Holidays, here's how I want you to respond. Merry Christmas. Say that with me. Merry Christmas. One more time. Merry Christmas. So what are you going to say? Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen on that. Okay. This morning I want to bring a message. And it's found in Psalms 137. So this morning I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalms 137 this morning. Psalms 137. I just got through preaching through the entire book of Psalms at Sharon Baptist this year. And uh, when I brought this message a few weeks back there, uh, the people really enjoyed what I had to say. And I said, well, it wasn't because I said it, it was because it's the truth of God's Word. Amen? Let me tell you something. We're living in a day and time when this book that we hold in our hand that we say we love and cherish is being trashed. It really is. I mean, I was listening to the new uh, TV program the other day and uh, just flipping through the channels and they were talking about the Bible, and after listening to about two minutes of it, I said, "That's all I want to hear." God's word is either true or it's not. Amen. Amen. Now let me say this also: in Psalms one thirty-seven, this morning, we are seeing probably the song. That's the most saddest in the Bible. Now you see the book of Psalms is a hymn book. It's the Old Testament hymn book. And when the writer wrote Psalms 137, he had to say that this was indeed the saddest Psalm that has ever been written. Psalms 37, 137 verse 1 says this. By the rivers of Babylon... There we sat, yea, we weep. When we remembered Zion, we hung, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those were carried us away, captive, asked us to sing a song, and those who plundered us requested myrrh, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Lest I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skills. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes Your little one against the rocks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask this morning that we take your word. May we bless the hearts of your people today. Lord, may we have ears to hear and hearts to understand and to respond to all that you want to do in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalms 137 is a psalm written by a POW. Not necessarily a prisoner of war, even though the children of Israel were prisoners of war to the Babylonians, but these people were a prisoner of want. They were a prisoner of want. They knew what it was like to be in Jerusalem and know what it was like to be in Zion. They knew what it was like this morning to be in a place where God was blessing their lives. But now we got a problem here. Instead of knowing the blessings of God, the children of Israel were now understanding what it is to have burdens in their life. They went from the place of Jerusalem Which is the city of peace, to Babylon, which is the country of confusion. This morning I realized today there's two types of people in our sanctuary this morning, possibly three. The first group of people who are here this morning are those who are saved and living your lives in the will of God. And to that I say, Praise the Lord. The second group that, are, that is in here, whether you're young or old, it makes no difference. You're saved this morning, but you're backslidden. You come to church, you got on your smiley face, you shaking people's hands, but your heart is as cold as the rock of Gibraltar. So let me ask you a question this morning. If that's your situation today, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You know, the children of Israel had had to learn a hard lesson, folks. And the lesson is this: when you walk away from God, you're in trouble. When you walk away from God, there is a price to be paid. But you say, well, did God forgive David for his sin? With Shabbat Sheba and the murder of Uriah? You bet he did. Did he have the joy of salvation restored unto him? Yes, he did. And praise God for that in Psalms 51. But the scripture also says, because of his sin... Because of his disobedience to God, being at the wrong place, at the wrong time, with the wrong person, the sword never left their house. For some of you here this morning, the sword is still at your house. Or I might not know about it. Joey might not know about it. Eddie might not know about it. Maybe David might not know about it. But I want to tell you something this morning. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Be not deceived, folks. God is not mocked, and he will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit will of the spirit reap life everlasting. Amen? Amen. Yes, my friend. Listen, when you come to Babylon, three things happen every time. When you come to Babylon, you're coming to a place of barrenness. When you come to Babylon this morning, you're coming to a place of bitterness. When you come to Babylon this morning, you're coming to the place of brokenness, folks. Babylon, my friend, is not a place you want to be. You see, the only people who are happy in Babylon are Babylonians. The only people who are happy in Babylon are Babylonians. You say, Ray, what does that mean? If you are living your life out of the will of God this morning, I got news for you. You're not going to be happy. You know, I know people are unsaved people are miserable people. But I was going to tell you something. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who are living their lives out of his will. You know, the Bible makes it clear. The Bible makes it clear that you can know what it is to have the joy of the Lord in your heart and keep it. You can have it. See, Babylon is always a picture of sin. It's a picture of the world. It's a picture of iniquity. It's a picture of idolatry. It is a picture of immorality. Folks, that's Babylon this morning. That's Babylon this morning. It is a picture of confusion. Notice with me in verse 1 this morning. Notice with me in verse 1 this morning. Notice what it says. By the rivers of Babylon... We sat down. Yea, we wept. Only a Christian can understand that statement. All oh, the world is out here this morning. They're having their good time. They're doing their thing. But and they think that because they've got that beer in their hand, that cigarette in their mouth, or whatever they're doing, that they're happy. Folks, let me tell you something. They're not happy. They're just existing. I know plenty of people who are existing. I know plenty of Christians who are not happy this morning. I was making a visit to a family this past week. And I've been dealing with this family now for a good while. And he said, Ray, how about coming and have a seat? I need to talk to you. I said, OK. He was sharing me with all the problems, joy that he was having, and I knew he was having these problems before I got there. And he said, "My life is a living hell." So what he told he said, "Ray, my life is a living hell. My family has fallen apart. My life is a wreck. I am not happy." I called that dear brother by name. I said, "Okay, now what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it?" You don't have to stay in Babylon unless you choose to stay in Babylon. Now listen to me this morning. Listen to me this morning. There's three truths in verses 1 through 4 I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. When you go to Babylon, folks, there is a sadness you cannot escape. There is a sadness you cannot escape. Oh, listen, they knew what it was to go through the dark dark clouds of depression. They knew what it was to be eclipsed from the sunshine of joy. They knew what it was to realize that, hey, the joy in my heart, the brightness in my life is gone. We say, "Ray, Ray, why were they sad this morning? The children of Israel were sad for two reasons. First of all, they were sad because they had misery in their heart. Notice verse 1, where it says, By the rivers of Babylon there we sat, and yea, we wept. The very first day they moved from Jerusalem to Babylon, they were never happy. They could never make themselves feel at home. You know why they couldn't feel at home? Because they were out of place. They were out of place. And let me tell you something, uh, dear church family. When you live your life out of the will of God, okay, you will never be happy. I remember visiting a lady, dear lady attending this church right here. Some of you older people, if I call her name, you know who I was talking about, so I'm not going to do it. She told Came here, she taught Sunday school here, Joey. She was a faithful Sunday school teacher here and at the old tabernacle. But she walked away from the Lord. Okay? And she said, Ray, I want to tell you something. I am the most miserable person in Danville, Virginia. And I called her by name, I said, You know what? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Because when you taste Jesus. The flavors of the world will not satisfy you. It can't satisfy you, folks. It can't satisfy you. See, that's the difference between saved people and unsaved. Is An unsaved person can go to Babylon and feel right at home. A saved person could go to Babylon and be totally out of place. It's almost like being a fish out of water. That's the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person. A saved person who's walked with Jesus, who knows Jesus, and been in fellowship with Jesus, and who is now out of fellowship with Jesus, has nothing to celebrate this morning. Nothing to celebrate this morning. But I hear you say, Ray, would God allow me as an individual to go to Babylon? You bet he will. Young person, let me tell you something. Listen and listen carefully this morning to me. Okay? I was young at one time too. And all of us at one time were young. Temptation is still the same. Things don't change. But here's the truth. Satan wants to take your young life. He comes to rob, steal, and destroy. And if he can get your life this morning, he's got a victory. Don't give Satan the victory. You don't have to. You could be like Daniel when he was young. He walked with the Lord. He was faithful to the Lord. Dare to be a Daniel this morning. Dare to be a Daniel this morning. Yes, look. Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 11 is an interesting passage of Scripture. Because in that passage of Scripture, the first 11 verses, God gave the children of Israel three things. He gave them land. He gave them law and he gave them a lord. Okay. So what happened? In chapter 25 of Jeremiah, well this is what the children of Israel did. They had the land and they defiled it. They defiled the land. They had the law and they defied it. They were telling God, Lord the Lord Jehovah, I don't need your law. I'm going to do what I want to do. And God says, "Okay, You keep on doing that and see what happens. And then God gave them the Lord. Lord, And they said, I don't want you either. So listen, when God gives you the land and you defile it, God gives you a law and you defy it. When God gives you a Lord and you deny it, I got news for you. God says, you're going to be in trouble with me. You're going to be in trouble with me. Because God, in chapter 24, Jeremiah, <coughs> for 20 years, Jeremiah told the children of Israel turn back, turn back, repent, come back, come back, come back. Like I'm pleading with some of you this morning, come back. They said no. They said no. And what happens? God said, I'm going to send judgment upon your life. Because God said in Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 5, God says this Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that carried away the captives of Judah and whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for your good. Folks, you remember what Harry Truman said? Speak softly, but carry a big stick. Okay. God tried to speak softly, and he tried to speak louder, and he spoke louder, and the people said no, and the people said no, and the people said no. God got out his aid iron. And took the children of Israel out of Jerusalem to Babylon. Oh, why were their hearts sad? First of all, because they had a misery in their hearts. The second reason that the children of Israel were sad is because they had a memory of their home. A memory of the home. Notice what it says again in verse 1. And when they remembered Zion. When they remembered Zion. And then verse 2 says... We hung up our harps. Folks, when you backslide on God, you hang up your heart. You hang up your harp. Let me encourage you this morning. These people were weeping at the Weeping Willows this morning. Their minds wandered back to Jerusalem, the city of peace, where the faith, where the peace. And the presence of God could be felt day in and day out. But now they're in Babylon, separated from their father, surrounded by their foes. They were saddened by their failures, and they were shackled by their fears. That's what happens, folks, when you go to Babylon. You know, I'll tell you something. There's nothing worse than a Christian who's out of fellowship with God. You know, as a pastor of many years, I was ordained to the ministry in 1982. Okay. One thing I've noticed, I've heard people say, Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I've walked an aisle. I shook the preacher's hand. I've even signed a card for membership. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, really? Oh, really? I was telling a, fam- a guy yesterday, I said, if you were a Christian and on trial for it, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Because I hear this all the time. I share Joey and some of the other pastors and probably the deacons who visit here this statement uh, occasionally. Well, I used to do. I used to do. I used to do. And my question always comes back, "Why not now? Why not now? Why not now?" I was telling a family uh, in our church. I said, and "It is a statement I've been using for years in the pulpit in my pulpit ministry, and it's this: If Jesus is worth having, and He is, if Jesus is worth having, and He is, then He's worth sharing." Let me ask you a question this morning. If I asked you to raise your hand if you've ever led anybody to Christ, that'd be one thing. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. A lot of people come to church and they you that do that and check off the box saying, I've done my thing for the week. Now I want to go back and do what I want to do for the rest of the week. You know. I tell my people, And we use our, this is our slogan. I said, you come to worship. You come into the sanctuary to worship. And then you leave to serve. You come into this church to worship. Hey, did you come to church this morning to worship? Or did you just come to church to meet your friends first? Did you prepare your heart to come in for the word of God? Or were you so busy that, you didn't have an opportunity. Here's the truth, folks. Eighty percent, Joe. This is true. Eighty percent of all men who attend are Southern Baptist churches. Okay. Eighty percent of them. The only time they read their Bible is when the pastor's in the pulpit or in a Sunday school class. The other times it stays on the book show, stays on the bookshelf or on the coffee table till the next time they go to church. Are you like that this morning? If, the, if you're like that this morning, you're in Babylon. If you don't have no hunger for God's word and prayer and the disciplines of the Christian life, you're in Babylon. Now, my question is, what are you going to do about it? See, the church is more than a building, folks. It's a body. It's a body. You know, I've seen people who say, well, I used to come to church. But I don't anymore. One lady told me two weeks ago. She said I've been coming to church for years, but I don't feel like coming back. I mean, this COVID is, is uh, was their excuse? And I told him. I said, "Call the call the name." I said, "Answer me something, as your pastor. I want to know something because I don't get it. I hope I never get it." You can go to Walmart. You go to the gas station. You can go to the restaurants. But you can't tell me you can't give, one, uh, give God one hour on Sunday morning. I don't buy that for one minute. You're backslidden. Or the case might be, you're not even saved at all. That's why I told her. 1 John 2.19 says this, folks. 1 John 2.19, turn with me there for a minute. 1 John 2:19 you ought to circle this in your Bible if you never have Why is it that people don't come to church anymore? Here's the simple answer. Here's the simple answer. 1 John 2:19 says this, for they went out from us, okay? Put it in the context of COVID here for a few minutes. They went out from us, but they were not of us. They were the leeches in a building but not in fellowship with God. They were not, for if they had been of us, get this folks, they went, but they went out, they've uh, they, uh, been with us, they would have continued with us. They would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, obey or be made known, that none of them were with us. Why is it people say they come to our, they're a member of so-and-so church, but you never see their faces? It's because probably they never were saved to begin with. You know, the church is full of spiritual leeches. You know what they are, don't you? They're, those, they're the people that attach to the skin. Okay. They're part of the skin, but not part of the body. And what happens is they'll come in and they'll take all the benefits and all the blessings that the church has to offer like leeches. And when the blood dries up, they go somewhere else. That's a spiritual leech. How many spiritual leeches do you know? How many spiritual leeches are in this building this morning? Oh, listen to me this morning. Listen to me this morning. You can be said because the memory of their homes. The reason people can't remember Zion is because they never been to Zion. They talk about all the things that they had but never identified with. Oh, folks, listen. Why were they sad? they had a misery in their hearts, secondly, they had a memory of their home. Oh, I can see them saying now, what is the blessedness I knew when I first saw the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing re- view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memories still. But they have left an aching void the world can never fill. Oh, my friend, remember something. There's a sadness they could not uh, escape. Secondly, Notice verse 3, there's a sarcasm they could not endure. Notice what it says. For though for there they for there those who carried us away captive among asked us of a song. And those who plundered us requested Myrrh, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Oh, listen to me this morning. Listen to me this morning, folks. Sin does does not bring slavery. Sin brings shame. Sin brings shame. You know, as long as you're standing and walking with the Lord, the world's going to leave you alone. But when you fall flat on your face, and we've had, quote, Christian celebrities do that, and next thing you know, they become the fodder, for the nighttime TV comedians making a joke of their fall I don't care whether it was Jamie Swagger, Jim Baker or whoever. It could be you for all that means. You don't want to be at the point where sin brings slavery to your life. That one cigarette will bring slavery to your life. That one open can of beer will bring slavery to your life. I love my telephone. I love my telephone. It's part of my job. I've got to have it like many of us do. But you know, that it could be the most dangerous thing, young man, young woman, that you could have in your possession. I was talking to a young man a while back, and uh, I knew that he had walked away from the Lord. And I told him, I said, let me see your telephone. And I said, now if I opened it up and I went to your history, what would I see? The lures of the world are big, folks. I don't care whether there's seven, seventeen, or seventy seven. The allurement of the world is out there. You have to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. I don't care how old you are, brother. It's still true. It is still true. But listen, let me tell you what Jesus said. In John 15, 19, he said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I like what Chuck Swindoll said in one of his commentaries. This is what he said. About Christians who fall. He says this: the scoffers and critics of Christianity never stand any taller nor shout any louder when then God's people publicly fall into sin and are forced to suffer the inevitable consequences. All Satan's hosts dance with glee when believers compromise, play with fire, and then get burned. It's a good statement. He had it right on the head, nail on the head. You know, when I think of that statement, I think of the first Christian superstar. Did you know that there was one? There is. He's found in Judges chapter 16. His name is Samson. And we all know the story of Samson. We've heard it in Sunday school classes. We've heard it in the pulpit. But here's the truth about Samson, folks. Here's the truth about Samson. You know, if you're not careful, be just like him and fall. Be just like him and fall. He tripped over his own sin. And then because of that, he had his eyes plucked out. They bound him and made him do work of that of a woman. And the last thing they demanded of Samson before uh, they took their revenge on him as found in Judges chapter 16 and verse 25. And this is what it says. And so it happened when their hearts were merry that they said and all of it came to pass that when the hearts were merry, that's when they called, called for Samson, that they may make him sport for us. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and he set them between the pillars. Oh, can you imagine that scene this morning? Samson between two pillars, being mocked, being excoriated, being made a fool. But most of all, something even worse than that. Well, they were mocking him because of his sin, They were also mocking God. Folks, the worst thing in the world I ever want to do is be a stumbling block to somebody where God's name is mocked. Folks, if you love Jesus this morning, if you really love Him this morning, you don't want His name thrown through the mud. You don't want His name slandered. You don't want His name thought lightly of. But that's what happens when you wind up in Babylon instead of Jerusalem. Oh, listen to me this morning. There's something about that name. There is a sarcasm, secondly, that they cannot endure. And let's move on. There's a third thing about this passage this morning. There is a song they cannot express. Verse 4 says this. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? You can't. You can't. Have you lost your song this morning? When you were singing this morning, were you just mouthing words? Or was the reality of those words bringing joy to your heart? Oh, listen. There's nothing better Joey, deacons, choir, musicians, there's nothing better than the good congregational singing. You know what? The, you, know, you know how you can tell you're controlled by the Holy Spirit? Go, uh, Ephesians 5:18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And watch the evidence of that. It's simply this, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Folks, I love good singing. And i tell you what, singing really tells the temperature of the people. Singing really tells the temperature of the people because when you're not singing and you're not praising and you're not loving, us pastors up here can tell it. Okay, We can tell it. I mean, I've been in some cold churches. I mean, make an iceberg look good. I remember I was at First Baptist Church uh, up there in Newport News, Virginia. I was the uh, staff evangelist for the uh, Peninsula Baptist Association in Newport News. So I'd been in every Southern Baptist church from Williamsburg to Hampton. All 150 churches I've been at one time or another. Okay, And I could tell by the way they were singing, this is going to be a good service. The Spirit of the Lord is here. But I was in this church service, and I'll tell you what. I had more respect for the funeral director in the funeral home. I really did. I mean, they were singing songs, and they were humdrum. I mean, there was no enthusiasm. I mean, listen, folks, listen to me. If you can't get excited of blessed assurance Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Folks, if that don't uh, make you happy, you're in Babylon. Or oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a ranch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, by now, but now I see. If you can't sing that with truth and enthusiasm, you're in Babylon this morning. And the song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you can't sing that song with excitement, you're in Babylon this morning. You are. Oh, listen. The very first song that was found in the Bible is found in the 15th chapter of Exodus. The very first song. It's called the Song of Moses. You know that story in the 15th chapter where God allowed the children of Israel to go across the Red Sea. And God destroyed the Egyptians behind them. They had a song of deliverance, folks. They had a song of joy. Why? God came through again. God came through again. Oh, listen. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 29 says this. Ye shall have a song as in the night. When a holy solemn is kept in gladness of heart, so when one goeth out with a pipe to come to the mountain of the Lord, to the mighty one of Israel. You know, I heard people say, you know, I've lost my song. I've lost my song. But let me tell you three things that cannot take away your song, folks. Three things this morning that will not take away your song. Sorrow will not take away your song. Some of you have been in some of the darkest valleys of your life and you could testify to the goodness and the grace of God. You could testify to the peace of God. In the midst of the tears, you still got your song. So we know sorrow cannot take away your song. Suffering cannot take away your song. Some of the greatest uh, events in the Bible is found in the 16th chapter of Acts, where Paul and Silas are in chains. They're cold. They're hungry. Don't know whether they're going to die. They're destitute. But in the midst of their suffering, what do they do? They sang a song. They sang a song. So suffering will not take away your song. I'll tell you what, another thing that will not take away your song is that of survival. It will take away your song. But there's one thing that will take away your song. There's only one thing that will do it every time, and that is called sin. Sin. See, the children of Israel knew what it was to have a song when they were in Jerusalem. Now they're being mocked and they say, hey, give us a song. We want to hear about the songs of Zion. But they can't. They can't because of S-I-N. See, God didn't send the children of Israel to Babylon because of their weakness. No, no. God sent the children of Israel to Babylon because of their wickedness. And when you live in sin and you get away from the Lord, I got news for you. You have lost your soul. There's a great preacher by the name of A. G. Gordon, well known evangelist of, of yesteryear. He was walking down, he was walking down the road. And here was a little snotty-nosed, barefoot kid coming up, dirty-faced. And the little kid had a rusty cage in it, and he had some birds in it. Uh, Evangelist Gordon, A.J. Gordon, saw this kid, and he said, what do you have in your, in your uh, cage? He said, I got some birds. He said, I, got, I, I caught them. AJ Gordon said, well, what are you gonna do with them? What are you gonna do with them? He said, well, I'm gonna play with them for a while. And then he Gordon says, then what are you gonna do with them? He said, I'm gonna kill them. He said, boy, let me buy them from you. He's the kid said, I don't want, I don't want to sell these. And so A.J. Gordon says, I'll give you two dollars. Now, back then, $2 could buy you a lot of stuff, more than one pack of bologna. He said, the boy said, no, I'm not going to sell them to you. He said, I insist on it. So A.J. Gordon gave the kid $2, gave the kid the birds, and gave the kid the cage. The kid gave A.J. Gordon the cage. The kid goes off. He's happy. He's got his $2. He can go buy his Milky Way. And uh, as he goes around the corner, A.J. Gordon goes into one of the side alleys, opens up the door, taps the bottom of the cage, and one by one, those little sparrows started flapping their wings, flapping their wings. And then as they come out of the cage, A.J. Gordon said, I saw them going up and up the alley, and they were chirping. And then another bird was doing the same thing and another bird was doing the same thing and another bird was doing the same thing until they were all gone. A.J. Gordon said, if that's not a perfect example of them chirping, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. I don't know what is. Folks, let me ask you this morning. Let me ask you this morning. Where are you living today? Where are you? living? I'm not talking about your physical address this morning. No, no. Where are you living spiritually? Are you living in Jerusalem, at the, in the city of peace? Or are you living in Babylon, the state of confusion? Folks, I said it a few minutes ago in my introduction. There's three kinds of people, two, pe- two types of people, maybe three this morning. If you're saved and you're walking with God, praise the Lord. If you're saved and you're walking at a guilty distance, do something about it today. I was talking to a a funeral this past week, uh, other than Becky Hales. And for me, this past year was a year of funerals. Literally a year of funerals. When you conduct nine funerals in five months, that's a lot of funerals for a pastor, okay? But I was was telling telling the people, I said, listen, if you're backslidden, you don't have to stay that way. I told told the person who I was talking, I said, you know what? I would not be in your shoes for a million dollars. The guy who said, I'm living in hell. I said, I wouldn't be in your shoes for no amount of money. Because if I die backslidden, I'm going to see Jesus. And then what are you going to do? Then what are you going to do? Oh, listen, nothing better than having clean hands and a pure heart this morning. Nothing better. When you can look at your brothers and sisters in Christ and you can look to the Lord and be guilt-free this morning. That's a wonderful place to be, folks. That's a wonderful place to be. Well, the Scripture says that they could not sing the song in a foreign land. But I'll tell you what, this morning, I want you to get the harp off the wall and tune up your heart.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today.